Champaign, Illinois, this is the Jumping the Rail podcast with your hosts, Mark Redmond and Mike Nartolinas. Welcome to episode four of the Jumping the Rail podcast. It is uh, good to be back in the studio. I am Mark Rebin, and I am joined by my co-host and tag team partner who is still reeling from a massive defeat in fantasy football by me this weekend, my buddy, the pain train, Mike Nargelinus. Narge, how's it going? Woo! It's, it's amazing what Mark here thinks is massive. <laughs> <laughs> Should I have wooed? Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, have. I might get you in trouble. Ah, you're dreaming. <laughs> you, you'd almost think he was Ric Flair yeah. whipping it out, swinging it around. I could have made helicopter noises. That's true. <laughs> well, if you tick somebody off, you won't be the first person on this podcast to offend somebody today. So, yeah, I saw that. Mark um, <laughs> started your day by upsetting one of the greatest tag team champions of all time. I uh, was why don't you tell the people. All right, so. As some of you may know, I'm a big fan of the Busted Open radio show on Sirius XM every day, Monday through Friday, 8 to 12. Shout out to David LaGreca. Shout out to LaGreca and his co-host today is uh, WWE and TNA Hall of Famer Bully Ray, who's one of my favorite parts of the show. He's a brilliant man, great booking ideas and everything. But it's been killing me the last couple of weeks that he's been saying something incorrectly, which is during the Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair interactions on Raw, he's saying that Alexa hit Charlotte with a Canadian destroyer, which is simply not true. And I let it go last week. Does Canada actually have any destroyers? I'm sure they have a Navy of some sort. <laughs> but uh, I let it go. And then today he's still going on about it. So I very politely got on the old Twitter machine, and I said, I can actually tell you almost as a quote, I said, respectful correction, Alexa did not hit Charlotte with a Canadian Destroyer. It was a Yoshi Tonic, like sunset flip bomb kind of a thing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've heard you use that term many times before. Right. And I let it go. I, I sent that, and then about a half hour later, I get a response from Bully Ray <laughs> saying, Accusing me of being an Excalibur burner account. <laughs> Excalibur is an announcer on AEW who knows all the names of all the moves and all the fancy uh, things. So, so he Mark, was saying you were Excalibur, pretending not to be Excalibur, and making right. a comment. So right. what he was saying, actually, is Mark is a super nerd <laughs> like Excalibur, is what he was saying. Oh, so he was accurate. Correct. Oh, that's correct. I mean, well, when it comes to wrestling, come on, you are a super nerd. This is true. I, right. I can't say... I'm not, but so I let it go. But then I noticed, in in my head from his response, I thought that he had misspelled Excalibur's name. I saw that. I laughed quietly so, to myself. So being a smart ass, I I said you misspelled Excalibur. But the joke is on me because you spelled it exactly and, like he did. Because Excalibur's burner account is a freaking tongue twister. So I thought that he spelled it with a B E R. So. I wound up going back and deleting that comment because I didn't want to look more dumb than I already am. 
Which which led to some interesting stuff on our Facebook because I'm pretty sure your wife commented and deleted some comments as well today. Well, she didn't know that he was being sarcastic about it. Being ah. a, she thought that he actually thought I was a troll. And being a devoted <laughs> wife that she is, she jumped to my rescue without knowing all the facts. But That's once, good. Once I explained it, she deleted it. And <laughs> so it's all good now. Bully, if you're listening, and I know you are because I know you're a fan, I am sorry if I upset you, and I'm just trying to be helpful because that's, that's what I do. If you'd like to get with us one time and have a little tete-a-tete on the show, we'd love that. Oh, absolutely. I'll take Bully Ray any day. Was that a challenge? Well, I'll, t- I, I'll take him out for a drink. I don't know. That's oh, about all. Okay. Out for shots. Oh, maybe do an interview knees, segment. Okay. Back hurts. All right. Well, now that we got that out of the way, let's get to some business here. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, start off with my favorite time of the year, Narge, which is G1 time. This week, the uh, G1 Climax tournament started in Japan, and it went, I believe it was Sunday and Monday, and then they took the next couple days off. But it's a 20-man tournament, round-robin style. It goes for about a month, and then the winner of the tournament gets a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom the World Heavyweight Championship, you you know this. I know a little bit about this. The only thing I really I haven't followed the tournament as much. I did see today that Naito is is out. He's yeah. hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Naito so. had his first match was against Zack Sabre Jr. and he just stretched the hell out of him, and That's I guess it. he came out with a knee injury and had to pull out of the tournament. So I don't know where that leaves him. If everybody in the uh, block he's with just gets a forfeit automatic two points or how that works if it's early enough they can get a substitution but as of right now I'm just going to uh, let everybody know the standings here in the A block there's two blocks A block Shingo Takagi the world champion has two points Uh, Yujiro Takahashi from the Bullet Club has two points Great Okan from the United Empire with two points and Toriyano with two points and Zack Sabre with two points in the B block they had uh, their matches the day after. Evil has two points. Jeff Cobb, Sonata, Taichi, and Okada all have two points. And everybody else is still sitting with zero after one day. Let me ask you this. Do you have a favorite? Who, who Who's taking this? Uh, the easy answer, there's a lot of people that could easily be favorites. Uh, namely, Okada was first on my sure. list. Then Tanahashi's been on fire. He's just won the U.S. Championship. Ordinarily, you'd say Naito because he's a multiple-time world champion and very, uh, very effective in the ring. If I had to make a guess on my pick, and it's honestly, it's never going to be the world champion because the winner gets a title shot. Otherwise, I'd say Shingo. But my guess, just pie in the sky. I'd like, I would love to see it be Jeff Cobb. He'd be fun. He's he's a he's a tough gentleman. I don't know a ton about Jeff Cobb. I saw him on AEW mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. and you know he did a little, he did a cup of coffee on uh, Dynamite there. Um, but from what I did see, he is uh, he's a legitimate competitor. Yeah, he's an Olympian. He, well, he's going to say he was an Olympian in uh, Greco-Roman wrestling. For he represented Guam, and I forget which Olympics it was. I think it was '04. I want to say. Okay. And yeah, he's just strong as an ox, built like a brick shit house. You can throw anybody, and honestly, just a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, he's got he's got a solid look to him. He looks yeah. like a guy you would not mess with. So. No, certainly not. All that, right, well, that's so. fun. What else do we got on the list here? Let's let's get back to the states. To the states. Well, we have the PWI 500 came out. Oh, that's an important list. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on who you ask, and it's just something because I like to find the holes in it. And there's a few uh, head scratchers on here as far as their numbers go. It's PWI um, Pro Magazine? Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Every okay. year they do a, the top 500 wrestlers in the world list. It's very... Do they mean current or just historical? Current. like It's like a year. It's a current top 500, essentially. Wow. But it's always questioned each year. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The legitimacy of it is... Right. right. So is the last guy on the list, number 500, is he the guy that gets a jersey that says... <laughs> If you ain't first, you are definitely last. <laughs> I don't know, but that's, that should happen. Like, what do they call him in the NFL? What's Mr. the last? Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, yes. So, But uh, no, after the top 10, it's very subjective. Do we know who was number 500? Uh, number 500. That, that's important. Uh, Come he's on. got this. I got, I got Wasn't this. Tom Brady Mr. Irrelevant one year? Is that right? Was Brady I've, one of the last guys drafted? Or am I, I wrong? Think, no, that? you're right. Yeah, he was. And again, I guess Mr. he proved a few people was, wrong. Uh, number 500 this year was Lulu Pencil. <laughs> Marco, tell us about Lulu Pencil. What do you know? <laughs> well, I don't know, but any guy with the nickname with the word pencil in it, I'm telling you right now, I would probably quit and find something else right. to do. Become an accountant. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, number one through ten is pretty much the only thing that really makes a difference in the in the list. And number one and two, Omega and Roman, it could be they could switch them. Depends on the day of the week, right? Why don't you, on why don't you run down the top ten for starting at number ten? Make this happen. All right. Number ten. Number, <laughs> number, 10, number ten was Rich Swan, former Impact Heavyweight Champion. I'd like. I'm gonna stop you right there. First gentleman from Impact, and I think I read. Four years yeah, to break the top ten. I think I think Lashley was the last one. I'm pretty sure that was it, yeah. So he's number ten. Number nine is Shingo Takagi, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Number eight, Finn Balor, who was the NXT champion for most of the evaluation period. Yep. Pretty sure we saw him at the hall that one time, right? We Finn did, Balor. Yeah. Finn yeah. Balor's been around for yeah. a while. Number seven, Will Ospreay, who was the IWGP World Champion before he got hurt. And he just recently came back. Number six, John Moxley, you know, speaks for himself, former AEW World Champion, main event guy. Number five, Kota Ibushi, another former IWGP champion. Ibushi, he's always on the list. Yeah, I feel like. he's never this high. Solid though. quality. I think this is the highest he's ever been. Then your top four, number four is Drew McIntyre, was WWE champ for most of the evaluation period. Number three, Bobby Lashley, who's been the champion for much the entire year. Number two, Roman Reigns. Number one, Kenny Omega. And we, so. we discussed now how does, this. How does Omega surpass? I mean, I know Roman Reigns. I literally know who this guy is. Omega, I may have heard of, but I know Roman Reigns. Why is that? Kenny is the current AEW World Champion. Okay. For most of the evaluation period, he's been a double champion. He's been held the AAA World title and the AEW title. And for a few months, he also held the Impact title, so he had three world championships simultaneously. And they're from different promotions? All from different promotions, yeah. And Kenny has consistently been considered the greatest wrestler in the world for the past couple of years by a lot of fans outside of maybe the mainstream WWE. Right. Um, For me, and I think I told Mark this, Kenny is good, and I'm not a Roman Reigns fan, but Roman Reigns has had the most consistent year he took something 
and he has ran with it. And really, I mean, Roman is must see television. Oh, I yeah. mean, he is the best part of He's, WWE, in my opinion. Yep. And so, I think the ratings from last night's Raw is going to reflect that because. Uh, I read this morning it, it one of the highest graded. It it jumped quite a bit from what I understand. Yeah, because it had been around the one one point one one point two. Yeah, reading. I think I said uh, maybe fifteen percent jump, wow. something like that. That's so, big. Yeah. So Omega, three mm. different promotions, mm-hmm. three belts simultaneously. Was he so? But Reigns is only in the WWE. Right. And now, does the WWE then hold exclusive rights, and so they can't be in other promotions? I right. mean, he's under an exclusive contract. But AEW yeah. doesn't do that, or only with certain talent, or no. So what AEW does is they have Tony Khan, right? And um, Tony's the good Khan. Khan. He's the good Khan. He's we learned this about him. I remember him, the and, so-called wrestling historian. <laughs> and he he is also known as the Forbidden Door. So Tony has opened that door. And he works with multiple promotions to basically give us dream matches, give us dream scenarios, things wrestling fans have wanted for years. And we're getting it, and that's why Omega is able to do the things that he's able to do. Gotcha. Plus, he's an EVP, so he can do whatever he wants. Well, yeah, that too. All right. So I tell w- us about Owen Hart and the Memorial Tournament. So, so this broke today, or yesterday. That uh, Owen's widow, Dr. Martha Hart, has entered an agreement with Tony Khan and AEW to partner with the Owen Hart Foundation to present an Owen Hart Memorial Cup tournament. And uh, the winner would receive a trophy that they were going to call the Owen. I don't know. uh, They haven't said what kind of format the tournament's going to be in, which has me curious. But uh, what do you think? She's been on the record for a long time being very anti-wrestling, not just anti-WWF, WWE. I scroll the Twitter a lot, and I'd like to point out, a lot of fans have pointed this out, that Tony, in the last month, has opened the door to CM Punk, who absolutely wanted nothing to do with wrestling, Mm -hmm. and has now opened the door to Owen Hart's family, who wanted nothing to do with wrestling. Right. That's big. And it's not only this tournament. They have signed over the rights for Owen to have an action figure made. Right. To be included in the video game. Mm -hmm. These are all things that haven't been available since his death, no, they want nothing to do with WWE. Even with please, you remember the promo from Mark Henry at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he wanted Owen in the Hall of Fame, and she and said, "Absolutely said not. not. They will do nothing with WWE." They, they believe that the way he died was as a result of the promotion. One hundred percent. They believe event. it was handled very poorly. Right. The fact that Owen had died and the pay per view continued, and just. The the after effects of all that has always, you know, Bret Hart has forgiven the WWE, mm-hmm. the but Owen's widow has, has not Martha refuses to. So. Yeah, the rest of the family pretty much welcomed WWE back into the fold. But uh, do you think that any of this has to do with how Tony handled Brody Lee's death? I th- it seems to be that way. A lot of I know that was CM Punk's big thing. Um, a lot of the other guys. That's the locker room talk. Is how respectful and dignified they handled Brody Lee's death really opened a lot of eyes. Right. And I think Martha trusts Tony with this. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it, it, it's really one of those things. And I, I'll be honest, I think it's kind of a, a shot at Vince. Yeah, Vince is going to take it personally. Which I wish that that wasn't the case, but it is what it is, you know. And you have to look at it like that. Maybe it's not intentional by Tony. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I think it's more of a shot by Martha than by Tony. And that that's very possible. And the thing is, I'm 
anything that gets Owen's name back out there, anything that honors Owen, I'm all for because Owen was one of my favorites. Owen like, was an incredible talent. I say was, better than Brett. Uh, he his in ring work, character wise, he had so much more personality oh, yeah. than Brett. If he had lived, he would he would have been a world champion somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. I want to ask you this because we're we're running long on the segment, yeah, but sorry, this Mark tournament, Brett. if it happens. Who do you think wins that inaugural tournament? I think there's one answer that makes the most sense, but we'll see if we agree on it. Who wins that inaugural tournament? Uh, well, again, it kind of de- it depends. I want to see what the format is. If it's a round robin, if it's a single elimination, you never know who's going to be in the tournament. How Wouldn't you just put like be? 40 people in the ring at once and whoever wins, wins? Last man standing type thing? Wouldn't that be badass? They've done that, but... Yeah, but the... Obviously, that's a one-shot instead of a tournament, tournament where you could yeah. really kind of work everybody in and maybe milk it for eight or ten weeks if, if you wanted. Well, I'll go, I'll go first. You go first. Okay, so in my opinion, I think the one that makes the most sense would be the family that was closest to Brad Hart there at the end, or Owen at the end there, and that would be Brian Pillman Jr. That'd be cool. Uh, I, You know, the scenario I saw online was Brian Pillman Jr. beats Christian, um, who, from what I understand, had a little bit of training. You trained a little bit with Stu, yeah. Yep. He beats him. Brett awards him the trophy at the end. Okay. Well, that's not a bad idea. They haven't said when they're going to do this. And if they wait until next year, around March, April, if all the rumors are true, I'd say it could be Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen. Uh, that would be, I mean, he I named mean, he, his son after He him. idolized Owen. Yeah. And proud Canadian. Here's my question. You said Brett hands him the trophy. Do you think that he is involved because Martha has pretty much cut out the entire Hart family out of her life in the last 20 years? I'm hoping that, you know, Tony being the uh, the ultimate Band-Aid that he has been uh, can maybe perhaps bridge that. Yeah, anything's possible. Anything I hope, is possible. I hope it happens just in the name of family harmony and everything. <laughs> Excuse and, me. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting to see where it goes, and um, I can't wait to see it. Like, I'm excited as well. The action figures, the video games. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here. So. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to go to our Calling Spot segment. And our topic today, Marco? Today it's, is it a mistake for the WWE to stop scouting the independence for talent? Narge, yes or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a mistake. Um, the talent, I mean, we were at an independent show. If you listen to episode three, the talent that we saw that night alone, I don't know why you're not looking there for folks who are trained in the business, understand the business, that it seems like a no-brainer. So Well, that, w- that would be the GCW show, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's what we watched this past Friday. We watched, uh, what was it called? Uh, up H- higher in the room. Highest in the room. And, I mean, you guys know I'm not into this stuff overall, but that was extremely energetic. Yes. I can say for a fact that I've watched a couple, like, the WrestleManias with you guys. We've done a couple events here at the house, watched some stuff. None of them compared from a pure energy athletic standpoint. I mean, you got pretty boys in the WWE, but these guys in this GCW, I mean... They were fucking each other up good. I mean, it well, was really interesting to see the difference in the athleticism, the number of uh, flips off the ropes, the number of, like, they'd lift each other and do somersaults with each other and then land them. I mean, that was crazy. And yeah. what's nice about the independents is they don't have the um, the handcuffs on them from a promoter. 
from a promotional standpoint, they, they come in, they're independent contractors. Right. So they have a little more freedom. They have a little more, they're allowed to do more with their body than perhaps a contracted WWE employee who Vince doesn't want to get hurt and be out six or seven months. These guys, as you saw, there's a little more liberties there uh, with them. Is somebody, everybody okay? Everybody is shocked? Um, and th- that's what makes it so fun, and I think that's that's why I'm such a fan of the independence. Is there's a little more, there's a little more danger to it. I guess would be a good word for it. Right, right. Yeah. I think if they had a greater production value, just spent on, and again, we talked about this offline one day. I don't know what it would take, but if they were able to amp up the production value for their for their home viewers, because in in the building you're going to get the energy of the room, but yeah. from outside watching it. A little better quality feed, a little better audio mix, mm-hmm. and you're right there, but you're putting on a better performance than you are getting from, like, the WWE. And I haven't watched an AEW show to know where that fits yet, but, I would, I would recommend you watch a Dynamite on a Wednesday. Just, Is that AEW? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you'll get a good idea. Their crowd's always hot. The talent's always on, you know. AEW, I, w- I would say, is more similar to the independents like GCW than right. WWE. WWE has a formula, and I was thinking about this earlier on the way over. They don't like to veer too far from that no. formula. No, Where they... AEW will take risk, and dependents like Game Changer Wrestling will take even more risk. Right. So there's there's levels to this. Yeah. And Mark, Mark will be the first to defend WWE. They are entertainment. That's what they they don't they don't consider themselves professional wrestling. They consider themselves entertainment. Right. Where these other companies, that's it. They want to focus on those moves and right. making that crowd, you know. They're, they're, they want the crowd to pop off the moves. Where WWE would prefer, I think, more of the storylines and the comedy and things like that. Yeah, I'm in, I don't necessarily, I don't defend WWE in this. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a mistake because for all of the people that are on the Indies that aren't going to get a shot, there are some people, and I'm just going to name a couple people from the GCW show. Matthew Justice had a shot, I think, before. But he's looks like the kind of guy that they would love to have in WWE from the look, from the athleticism. Then you take a Jake something who's on impact. You take, well, we always say Mance Warner, you know. Uh, Mance is a guy that, I mean, he's he's Steve Austin yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yep. But, but I don't know if they'd touch him now. I don't know. But the problem is. How about Effie? <laughs> yeah, Effie. Could, Effie is a riot. Effie would be big for the LGBTQ audience that they have. Well, he might actually bring one because I don't know how big an audience they, of that kind they have. They've, to got be honest. A, they've got a bit of one. It's not a huge following. That that guy could make it a huge following, oh, yeah, though. Based on what we saw at the Independent, I mean, he has a whole show <laughs> on the weekends that he calls Effie's Big Gay Brunch, usually at these big Independent right. weekends. And the crowds there, I mean, the videos I've seen, saw, uh, it brings everybody together. I mean, that community really comes out in droves for this. And I don't see that as much at WWE. I'm there, they do have their support. Right. But he's the he's kind of the figurehead yeah. of this yeah. on the right. independence. Do you guys see Tony like looking at the independence like that? Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, trying absolutely. to pull talent? He's, he gets a lot of talent from the Indies. Does he? Eddie but, Kingston. Uh, Eddie Kingston's the top one. But with WWE, and you said something that's right, they have kind of a factory mindset where they had trained people to be their formula, to work their style, and put on their show, basically. 
Well, I mean, that's why they change their names. That's why they write their promos for them. Mm-hmm. The, WWE has gotten away from an independent way of thinking, and they've got... Well, it's like you said. They got away from being a pro wrestling company, and they want to be an entertainment company. That's it. That's why they have these writers and creative and everything else, mm-hmm. and there's four or five guys who are telling you... right. What to do in the ring, what to say in the ring. And these are guys that some of them have never been in the ring. They have no idea. I mean, it's kind of like the music business. It's not really about the music anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of these independent bands that come up change their sound after a while because maybe the record label thinks this isn't what we want. This is a better selling sound. You'll do this. And they're like, whatever will sell a record. And this is to get off topic. But I mean, take a look at Luke Bryan, for instance. Yeah. His very first album, very country. And now Luke Bryan's about shaking ass and, you know, drinking on tailgates. And that's, I'm not sure that's who he is, but that's who pays his bills. That's what the record definitely wants. And that's what, yeah. So if he's paying his bills, that's what he's going to do. Definitely. So Mark, on the idea of the WWE, not drawing talent from the independents. Do you do you agree with that they're not doing enough of it, or are they doing too I, much, or are I, they in good I shape? Do, I do think they need to do more. Uh, it's, uh, it's like I said, it, there's a just a gold mine of talent out there that is waiting to get plucked. And with Vince, it's uh, he's stubborn. I, I think that might be the understatement of the year. But uh, yeah, he has his way, and he's setting it. If Triple H had more of a say in everything, I think they would still be doing it. Because he'd he'd work that NXT formula into WWE as a whole, I think. He's stubborn, and I think he's impatient. He doesn't have time for things. That's why he tears up script five times in a... Before a show, yeah. I mean, even NXT, a lot of folks... There are some folks who enjoy this new NXT 2.0, and there are some who are like, I miss the old way it was. And we'll get to that. So, and yeah, we'll get to that. I'm just kind of jumping ahead here. But Vince, you know, I don't even know. I'll be honest. I don't know if at some point Vince will hand the reins over. I really think he's going to sell the company before somebody else gets a chance. I don't know. I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, it's always possible. Everything's for sale, but I don't know. We'll see. So with that, we're going to move on. We're going to get into our rights and wrongs segment, which is our kind of our weekend review. And... First thing on my list is NXT 2.0 started last Tuesday. And uh, Narge, what did you think after one uh, after one week? I enjoyed the first episode for a couple of reasons, and there's okay. a couple of reasons I didn't like it. I like the brighter set. Mm-hmm. I've always said that from day one. Uh, a lot of people like it darker in the underground. I like the brighter set. I always felt that's what AEW had over NXT mm-hmm. was just a better presentation overall. Um. I didn't. I know they talked about getting away from some of the unnamed independent talent, but I felt like they highlighted them quite a bit. Every match had somebody new in it that maybe we hadn't saw before. Um, so I enjoyed that mm-hmm. to an extent. Right. What I don't like, and this is something everybody will probably agree on, is changing the names of some of the wrestlers, uh, most particularly Bronson Rex Steiner. Right. Uh, who is now going by Braun Breaker? Right. Two Ks. Two Ks. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Just an absolute... That's fine if you don't want to call him a Steiner. I really feel like Bronson Steiner sounds incredibly tough. Or even Rex Steiner, which is what they were supposed Bronson to be Bronson Rex Steiner or Rex Rex Steiner. Braun Breaker? And the thing is, you're naming him Braun. It's spelled differently, but you just released a yeah. Braun. But in his defense, what about just Braun Stein? 
Any, Bronstein. Anything is better than Braun Breaker, which sounds yeah, like some kind of 80s a, hair metal. It, Braun Breaker, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo, you know. Is it Braun, B-R-O-N, or B-R-A-W-N? Short for Bronson. Okay. All right. Just but check it wasn't Brawny. Other than the name, <laughs> though, that guy's got everything you could want in a future star. They're strapping the rocket to him already. Yeah. I mean, the stare down at the end between right. him and, and Ciampa. Yeah, Ciampa, new, uh, new NXT champion Ciampa after last week. Which, uh, I, you know, we discussed this. I don't remember. I know I had said Pete Dunn. I don't remember if you'd said him. I said or, Pete. You yeah. said Pete as I said well. Pete, yeah. Okay. No, I said LA Knight. That's right. Yeah. No, I said LA and you said Pete, and then they went with Ciampa. So, right. and who was the fourth man in the ring? It uh, was Wayne Bloom. It was supposed to be O'Reilly. He got taken out, so it was Von Wagner. Von Wagner, who's Wayne Bloom, who yeah. was a Beverly brother, yeah. right? Former destruction crew in the AWA, but big so. kid, very athletic, looked good in the ring. For he looked good guy. for his very first time out there. So it's uh, the plus was he was in the ring with three guys that could make him look great. Oh yeah, he could hide whatever shortcomings he has right now, which I don't, I couldn't point I didn't him see out. Many. Really. <laughs> no, but the other guys they bumped for him, and he put the work in. He'd had a hell of a match. It was yeah. I mean, it was, and that was the thing is that the action was good. Um, I know a friend of yours, Gary, had piped in with me, and he <laughs> he didn't particularly care for uh, some of the some of the action. Some of the guys he felt were kind of bland. And well, it yeah. was a typical WWE formula. Yeah, but there's a, there's going to be a, a slow burn there. There's, these guys are new. They're gonna find, they're gonna find their spot, I think. But uh, it was weird. There was no Triple H. Obviously, you know, good wishes to Triple H. He had heart surgery last week, so uh, hopefully he's having a, a good convalescence. But usually he would be there to kind of run the the booking, which, as I understand, he's still going to do, despite Vince and Bruce Pritchard being kind of over the general view of the show. Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of Vince or Bruce in this quite yet. No. I think Kevin Dunn was running the show this past week, the guy who's usually their director. And then Sean was was there, Sean Michaels. Yeah. So but so overall I was generally pleased with it for after one week. I we're recording as week two is happening, so we don't know how it's going yet. But uh yeah, I'm I'm keeping an open mind and being optimistic. So the other thing from WWE this past week, we have a new WWE champion in Big E. He cashed in last Monday on Bobby Lashley. So what do you think? Is this the right time? Do you think it was a hot shot? What do you think? Well, I don't want to get too much into it because I know we got the people's question coming later. And a friend of ours, Keith Gibson, who listens to the show and has his own podcast, sent something in about Big E. So I Mm -hmm. think I'm hoping we can get to that later. But I think it's a knee-jerk reaction. And that's all I'm going to say right okay. now. But I think it was it was due at some point. But I'm not sure now is the time. And the reason I say that is w, there's a lot going on there. We got Brock back. We've got Biggie. We've got Roman. We've got there's a, a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. And I'm not sure a lot of it makes sense. And I think yeah. the draft. That's coming up is going to clear some yeah. of that up, but I don't want to get too into it, or yeah. I'm going to repeat myself. Oh, no, we'll bit. get into this more with the question. Uh, by the way, I got a note from our producer, Marco. He said he thinks HBK can whip all of the new guys. I didn't. My daughter, Brooke, said that. Oh, Brooke said that. Oh, Brooke, Brooke just sent me a text when I said we were recording. She goes, tell him I think HBK could whoop <laughs> any of the new guys. Well, I mean, he, he, he'd have to look this way and... Yeah, he's cross-eyed, he's so cross-eyed you, can, now, you, can, so you can you can you can avoid his gaze, and he can't get you. 
Stay, stay in his blind spot and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Shout and avoid, out to Brooke. And Thanks avoid, for the avoid uh, that comment. Too. Yes. So we're going to move on. We're getting into a little AEW from this past week, Narge. And uh, first thing on my list, something I said I wish would happen as soon as he showed up. CM Punk was on commentary on Dynamite. And I thought he was doing a hell of a job till he got put through a table. He he was doing great. He sounded good. He was being uh, objective, right? Or, witty, right? And witty. Um, I'll be honest. I don't mind that. It looks like his first real big feud is going to be with Team Taz. I think that he'd be better served working Ricky Starks I than agree. Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, I know the fans want Punk versus Hook. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why nobody has seen Hook in the ring, but the groundswell of support for Taz's son Hook yeah. is. I'll tell you what, crazy. He, th- he throws a mean suplex though. Yeah. He uh he's got the look. I mean, he yep. legitimately looks. He's got that same pissed off. He, lo- he looks look like a moody. Te- he looks like a moody teenager when he's in the ring. We got one of those here, I think. In this, yeah, house he's right somewhere. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that was a big plus for me was having Punk branch out and do some commentary. Now this week we got a big week for AEW between oh. Dynamite and Rampage. It's Grand Slam at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. And they're firing on all cylinders. They're holding like. a Grand Slam at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, and it's not tennis? This is the no. very first wrestling event ever to be held at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It is sold out. That's great that they called it Grand Slam, though. Yep. That is just perfect. Yeah. Tony likes his play on words. So oh, Credit to the man. I mean, he is uh, the good con, right? And the... Uh, That's what they say. Main event Wednesday night. A dream match. Mark's already seen this match years ago. I'm pretty sure this happened in Ring of Honor, or where did this uh, happen? It's happened. PWG. PWG, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. For those that don't know, where a majority of the folks that you watch on TV now came from. PWG was a, the original NXT almost, right? I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. Is uh, The Bucks. Young um, Bucks, Super Dragon, Roderick Strong, Jack Evans, uh, Pac got his big explosion in North America there. Kevin Owens did some stuff there. I mean, Owens, a, a yeah. lot of these guys came from PWG, but the main event, uh, Mark's scrolling, so I'm I just going to keep talking. Is, I've got uh, the card right here. Well, I'm going to start at the top, which okay. is the, the biggie. That's going to be Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, non-title. Non-title, yeah. But they are going one-on-one, mm-hmm. and this is the match I, well, I had said, well, I didn't say the match, but I'd said on the two podcasts ago that I feel that Brian Danielson will be the first to kick out of the one-winged angel. And we That's might correct. see that Wednesday night. Now that, yeah, I hope it is. I Make hope sure I got my names right. That used to be Daniel Bryan in the WWE. Is that yes. correct? That's yes. Correct. Look at yes. <laughs> yes. I'm learning Let's shit from those yes. fuckers. Put those fingers down there. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the big one, Omega and Danielson. Now, I think that'll be a banger. I don't know if we'll get a finish out of it. I think it might uh, go to a schmaz. I, uh... I hate to say this, and maybe I'm wrong. I think Adam Page returns. I think Adam Page gets involved. I really do. I told somebody that they they've got to figure out a way to steer this from those two. Here's here's what I think, because I think I I see where you're coming with that, and uh, I know he's he's going to come back soon. I think they don't do it uh, here. I think they wait. I think full year is the next pay per view, right? What's that? Is a full gear? Full gear, movie? yeah, absolutely. The producer's pointing at me, and he's pointing at things. I'm not sure uh, what he's pointing at. Your phone buzzing on the table. Oh, oh. shoot! <laughs> I thought I was... 
that's my wife. I can't say anything bad right now. Uh, but no, I, I think can. No. I can edit it out. <laughs> so I think uh, <laughs> I think Danielson Omega doesn't go to a finish on Dynamite. I think they wait. They have their rematch at Full Gear. I think Omega beats Danielson at Full Gear. I'm sure there'll be elite interference like always. And then after that, I think that's when we get Paige back. I'd be okay with that. I and you said from the beginning that we, it would be okay if Brian Danielson lost. These yeah. these guys coming in, they can take a loss. Oh, There's yeah. no reason for them to come in and be untouchable. They're yeah. not supermen. No. All right. So the on the uh, I got both Dynamite and Rampage in front of me. Dynamite. Cody Rhodes comes back against Malachi Black. Ugh. Tell us what you really think. Is there, there. A is there any, is there any disgust involved in this? <laughs> I'm just so tired of Cody Rhodes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. So we won't <laughs> get into that too much. I I hope Black wins. I think Black has to win. I bet on Black. Okay. You're getting on Black? Yeah. Sounds like somebody else I know. Uh, AEW <laughs> Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD against Ruby Soho. I think Baker wins. Baker needs to win. Ruby? Yeah. Ruby's great. She's not ready. She's not ready yet. No, nope. based Nars on her match. Bigger to win just for name recognition right. purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the doctor, yeah. though. All right. Sting and Darby Allen against FTR. I do not see this going to a finish. No, something's going to happen here. I don't know. That ain't going to be Flair, that's for sure. No, I don't think it's going to be Flair <laughs> anymore. Uh, Tully gets involved. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't blow up both knees giving them that's, out. That's going to happen. But All right. And then the other match I have listed on... Uh, Dynamite is MJF against Brian Pillman Jr. I think this will steal the night. Oh, this is, yeah, this is poised to, MJF still looks, or not MJF, uh, Pillman looks a little uncomfortable in the um, the back and forth, mm-hmm. but I think the ring work will be yeah. there. MJF is, he's gold. He's awesome. <laughs> he's just awesome. Yeah. The promos he's cut in the last couple of weeks, there hasn't been many times over the years where I was like, Whoa, maybe you went too far. Yeah. I'm not easily offended, but the stuff he's been cutting on Pillman Jr., yeah. I love it. Is I this do. the same guy we talked about a few weeks ago that was underutilized? Pushing the line, though, with some of his promos, or was that a different guy? Uh, Remember, we talked about somebody that crossed a line in his no, promo. No, different guy. That was Max Cash. And they got pulled. Okay. All right. No. MJF, though, is maybe the best promo in the business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, backstory, real quick Brian Pillman Jr.'s father was a professional wrestler, passed away years ago. Um, whether Great it was an overdose or some sort of heart, issue. Uh, genetic heart problem is what I heard. Probably led on from years of... Enjoying himself. Yeah. Uh, he had prescription painkillers from his uh, car accident. So, his ankle, so, a lot of that. But So, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman has kind of cut promos. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr.'s aunt was there, who, if you watch Vice's Dark Side of the Ring, essentially took care of Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, she raised him. She raised him. He he cut a promo on her, cut a promo on his sister. Called who was his mom, pregnant, by the way. Who was pregnant and went into labor that night, or had contractions that night after this interaction, which is weird. MJF got her to go into labor. But MJF essentially called Brian Pillman Jr.'s mom Methany. Her name is Melanie. Ladies, called ladies her and gentlemen, what I just heard is if you're in that ninth month, fourth week, and it hadn't happened, call him up. He'll yell at you the right way. Baby's oh, here. Baby's coming. Probably doesn't take a lot to get MJF to yell at you on the phone or anything. But he really set this feud up, and I think I agree with you. I think this match is going to steal it. And I'm glad to see that Tony's listening to the podcast because I did yes. say that Brian Pillman Jr. was underutilized in the uh-huh. last couple of weeks. He has been 
very utilized. He's been the focal point yeah. of this, so yep. I and think it's good stuff. And speaking of that, Rampage on Friday, also from uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, it's going to be a two-hour show this time instead of their usual one. And on that same subject, there is going to be an eight-man tag with Lucha Brothers, the tag champs, teaming up with who I thought was being grossly underused, Proud and Powerful, to take on the Hardy Family Office, Private Party, and the Butcher and the Blade. Is this the first eight-man tag AEW's ever had? I don't think so. But <laughs> <laughs> they, I think they might have had one or two. Dozen. Yeah, uh, dozen. Uh, yeah, so what do you think? Does an eight-man tag, eight guys on a team, or is it four teams four at two? Four, 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 four on four. Four on four, okay. So I think this is a good way to transition Santana Ortiz into a title shot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, they, this, uh, this is their opportunity. I feel like Hardy and his group are kind of... Uh, I mean, they're the they're kind of the jobbers these days, right? Yeah, if we're using the they're insider. the red shirts. If you're a Star Trek fan, yeah, they they're just there for fodder. I yeah. did, you know. Yeah. So, so along with that eight man tag, which I think will be a lot of fun to watch, uh, Anna J from the Dark Order, number ninety nine, will take on Penelope Ford, who's been running with uh, the Bunny lately. Three of my favorite ladies in the don't world you mean wrestling. hopping with the Bunny? Okay, we can Maybe. say that. Sure. All right, uh, the Inner Circle's team of Chris Jericho and Jake Hager against the men of the year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page with the American Top Team in their corner. Dan Lambert, who I think cuts <laughs> one of the best promos in the business. The most, I love it. He's been one of the funnest parts of it, of Dynamite the last few weeks. He has. has. Hasn't he's been Jericho spit- aged out yet? Not yet. Wow. I would like to say this. So I have been very critical of Chris Jericho's look. My wife actually mm-hmm. walked downstairs last week, and during that promo she said, I think he's losing weight, and he did look pretty fit last week. I yeah. don't know what's happened in a month. Yoga, back on tour with the rock and roll band. Yeah, I, yeah. Shout out to Fozzie. I'll see you yeah. guys Sunday. So right. we're gonna rock and roll. We'll see Fozzie, and then uh, every time I die. For those that don't know, that band has the butcher as the guitar player. So check both those bands yeah. out. Mm-hmm. All right. So the other match on here, there's a trios match again. What a novel idea for AEW. The super, the super click, which is Adam Cole and the Young Bucks against Christian and the Jurassic Express of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I think this is going to be a good match. I think it'll be a good match. There's uh, six guys that can work. I told somebody the other day, I'm still not totally sold that Adam Cole is all elite. Yep. I think, I, I don't know how long they'll go with this, but I, I think Cole, it's coming. Yeah. There's a swerve of some kind some of Cole, it's building. So. Yeah, yeah. And then the... Uh, Top build on here, uh, CM Punk will take on Powerhouse Hobbs. We kind of alluded to it on the uh, Dynamite recap. I think Punk takes a lot of punishment in this match. Oh, yeah. I think this is its not going to be as equal as him and Darby. It's going to be Hobbs controlling a yeah. lot of this. Mm. So, yeah. But, so, uh, it's let's be move on to uh, the next thing because we're running long tonight. Oh, that's what so she let's said. get on to a, uh, well, only to some people, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, GCW Highest in the Room recap, Narge. We all three watched In fact, we had a whole house full watch it, and I think for a couple of us at least, it was a first-time experience for that very independent thing. So my top thing in the whole thing, definitely the light bulbs. That was just badass. Those guys were just grinding it, and there was glass, and there was blood everywhere, and it definitely made that look a lot more real than maybe a lot of wrestling does look. Yeah, shout-out to Alex Cologne. Um, it was Alex and G-Raver. G-Raver. Alex Cologne, we've got may, perhaps a potential to have him on the show at some yeah, point. Yeah, we, we reached, reached out, out to him, and he uh, seems open to doing an interview with us sometimes. So. 
uh, which would be very cool. We've got a couple of those guys. So, you know, stay tuned, subscribe, like all that, because we've got interviews coming. Yeah. Uh, for me, highest in the room, great show. There was a lot on there. Um, we were up to what? 1, one thirty in the morning, weren't we? It was late, yeah. It was, yeah, it was late one o'clock because it was West Coast time. Right. West Coast time. They set up a big match for next month with... Uh, Nick Gage and Minoru, Minoru. Minoru Suzuki. Yes, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, what was your highlight of the show, Mark? If you had to pick, or, or a guy, or a match, or uh, I've got mine. I, what's, what do you got? I mean, I was all in for Jonathan Gresham and Minoru Suzuki. As, as I don't know about having him as the main event, but it was a great match. I loved uh, Funches. The Funch Rap Supreme? With Tony Deppin. <laughs> Ron, Ron Funch is always one of my favorite comedians in the last few years, just to see him in TV and stuff. So it was funny to see him in that light. I yeah. thought it took a lot of courage for him to get in oh, there yeah. and do that. And we got a Danhausen sighting in that match, too. We did. Very nice. Very and, evil. Uh, who, uh, who was Funch's sidekick? Uh, Paul Shear from, uh, from the show The League. On Turned Netflix. on him. Turned on him. He healed on him. So yeah, and then abrupt, abrupt about well, he, uh, didn't he like have a, a deal with the other guy? Basically, was basically. how it worked out. And then uh, Ali Catch ran him off with a cutlass or something, a knife or a shank of some kind, which was weird. But for me, it was uh, I'm going to go out there, and it's a guy who's branching off from 440, and that's Atticus Kogar. Atticus, yeah, he is cutting some great promos. I recommend checking it out. But he yeah. essentially, I watched a promo today where he is a singles wrestler. Mm-hmm. He told he said he accused Ricky Shane Page of basically ruining the group, and he told Brett Lauderdale, who's the promoter of Game Changer Wrestling, he was coming for all his top guys. I think by the end of the year we get Kogar, Nick Gage. It's going to happen. Yeah, the, Would not shock me. I'm going to jump ahead here, but it wouldn't shock me if Kogar wins the Nick Gage Invitational. I wouldn't that hasn't be been announced by that yet, at all. Yeah. What y'all think of the Satan? Yes, Atticus Kogar. What did y'all think of the there was a three on three tag match? There was the really young match. skinny guys against the old biker looking second, guys. That was second gear crew. That against, was crazy. Yeah. It was uh, Starboy Charlie and a couple other guys. I forget. That's I'll all I got is Starboy Charlie. But SGC <laughs> looks great. I love those guys. Now Starboy, the one that came out and helped in a later yeah. match, yeah. correct? Yeah. He had, he came out and helped the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson right. against Jacob Fatu and uh, Juicy Fanu or right. Fanau. I'm not sure how you say yeah. it. Those that match is going to happen at the next pay per view. So Dirty Daddy, Starboy Charlie against so Fatu so. and Juicy. I, so. I don't like Starboy Charlie's chances. No, he's in there with three very big, tough individuals. And <laughs> if you haven't watched MLW, then Jacob Fatu is an absolute beast. He's part of the Anawaii family. He's their MLW champion, and he's just a killer. He's awesome. It was brutal. I thought, you know, for being uh, related to Roman and the Usos, this is he's this more is the of, tough guy. He's more of a traditional Samoan yeah. by, in, in his look. Yeah, Reminded he, me a lot I, of I remember Vermont. saying something about the fact he just didn't look the part of a wrestler. He looked a little bigger in the belly than the guys I've seen. So Yeah. Remind, like I said, reminded me a lot of uh, Umaga. Yeah, so. a lot of Umaga. So talk is that the Ring of Honor is stopping shows with fans. Is yep. that a correct statement? They, they announced they're going to continue running shows, but they're going to not have fans in attendance for the foreseeable future. Is this a COVID thing? Yeah. or it's a, I think it's a COVID precaution. Wow. It uh, kind of came out of the blue. They're really the only company that's made that kind of a, uh, a ruling right now. M- Impact still got fans. WWE, obviously, AEW, GCW. Do, do you think this is going to hurt them not to have fans I, where they can do merchandising and get the crowds? and the, I mean, we just watched the last year, roughly, of 
the two biggest promotions going fanless or really close and uh-huh. a lot of lifelessness to that. Yeah, it, I think it could hurt in the long run. I mean, their talent is great. They always put on good shows, but they always thrived. And I've been a Ring of Honor fan since like 2004, and they've always thrived on that live atmosphere, kind of like how we were talking about with GCW. And they had kind of an ECW vibe to their fan base and very devoted. So it's just weird seeing Ring of Honor without having fans in the house. Yeah, I think it's a bad decision all around. I mean, a lot of these folks, you know, I'm going to a concert next weekend. Whether you require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID, something like that. There are things that could right. be done where you could make this happen. Yeah, I'm You can mitigate sure. the risk for the people that are worried about it mm-hmm. and for the promotions. Very much. Yeah, I'm not sure them on a smaller scale. WWE's still touring. They're doing live shows. They're doing all this. Ring of Honor's a much smaller scale. Maybe there's more to it. I don't know, but yeah. I think it's a bad there business decision. To, we need to see more info with uh, what their uh, what Sinclair has been ruling on. Yeah, but it remains to be seen. All right, we move on to the first of the people's questions this week. All right. We actually got, I believe, three of them. We'll start with the first one that came in. Uh, it's from a good friend of ours, Dwayne Carter. Dwayne, if you're listening, thank you very much for the question. Hey, happy early 50th birthday yes. to Dwayne Carter. That's right. Dwayne will be 50 Dwayne. soon. All right. The question is, and we'll go to Mark for the first response. Mm-hmm. Who do you see being CM Punk's biggest rival in AEW? Well, I mean, I've said it. Uh, the <laughs> sounds like a broken record now, but... Uh, I'd love to see it be Cole Cabana, you know? I mean, they always say that a good feud has a nugget of truth to it, and there's not a more true story in AEW right now than Punk and Cabana. If I had to make another, I think it'd have to be, uh, I'd like to see it be MJF, just for the promo alone. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> see, we always we think alike, so it's all, it's all good. We do, yeah, and I agree with you. I think... Right now, the Punk wants to get those dream matches out of the way that he yeah. wants to do. I think the Team Taz thing is to get the rust off still. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, MJF. Everybody's going to say Omega and Punk. Nah. I said easy. from the beginning, Omega and Danielson was the one I wanted to see. Yeah. Punk and MJF. MJF doesn't have any. He's really never had that that few. You know, he no. did with Jericho for a little bit. He it had felt a, rushed. He had a and, little with Cody for a bit. And Cody. Yeah. Punk and Cody could be something at some point if Cody goes heel. Yeah. So there's options there, but I think MJF is where you've got to start building That's on that. He's got to be the flare. Yeah. You've got, woo, again, <laughs> for all, you know, all the helicopter and all that. But oh, easy. <laughs> MJF, Punk, That I think that's money. Yeah. So. And if you guys listened to last week, the uh, episode from the car, I mean, I said it. I think Punk and Omega waits a year. I think they wait till next year's all out in Chicago. It's going to happen because Tony wants to give the people what they want. So it will happen. I just don't think that's the feud. I really think they'll move on from that yeah. fairly quick, to be honest. Yeah. All right. So how about we throw a brown M&M at him? All right. CM Punk seems to be like the darling for AEW now. He came back in a few weeks ago. Everybody went ape shit. He's at the top of everything. He's now doing the main feature, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The question, of course, was who will become his biggest rival in AEW? We'd like you, the listeners, to comment on the post of this podcast on our Facebook after we post it and tell us who you think would be his biggest rival. Tell us why. Okay? And if we like your answers, we might read one of them on the air because we're really interested to hear what you have to say. Yep. All right. Next people's question that came in today. 
It is from J.R. Black, at J.R. Black Page, The Black Page Wrestling Blog, www.theblkpage.com. I hope I got all that right for you, J.R. He says, hey, guys, I love the show. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I love your blog. I love your blog, they say. There you go. I want to know who you think is the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the business today. Thanks. Narge, I'll go, go first. Yeah, yeah. shout out to J.R. Black. I actually have one of his shirts, so I would recommend checking out his blog. Mark, you know, we'll get a link on the website. He's got a Pro Wrestling Tees store as well. Check that out. I wore my shirt uh, when I was down on vacation. Got a lot of comments on it. But yeah. the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the world right now, Adam Cole, baby. Oh, that's a good choice. I, had, I, had, I thought about this all day, but Adam Cole... He's got the personality. He's got the ring work. He comes out, and I told Mark last week, Redman, not Marco, Mark Redman last week, he just screams pro wrestler. He literally is a guy that if I was draft, number one draft pick, who am I going with first? I'm taking Adam Cole. Now, Adam's AEW? He is AEW. He's all elite, baby. All right. Mr. Redman, what is your choice? I am a big Adam Cole fan. But my answer to this is the same answer it's been for the last 15 years, and that is one phenomenal AJ Styles. Because not only does he have the promo, I don't think there's a smoother wrestler in the business right now as far as athleticism, he's got power, he can do technical wrestling submissions, he can, you name it, he can do it. And he can do it well. Not only that, they've put him in scenarios the last year that you wouldn't imagine. I mean, almost. And yeah. he's made it work. He's, he's made, made it, it look very good. Yeah. AJ's not a complainer. He goes along with it. Yeah. That's hard to disagree. I think AJ's a phenom. He's a phenomenal choice. I see what you did there. <laughs> our uh, what we were gonna have as our throwback match last week. I think we wound up posting anyway. Was gonna was that triple threat match from TNA with AJ Daniels and Samoa Joe. I think many say is the greatest match in the TNA Impact history. I am one of those people. Just an incredible match from three match. very talented individuals. Yep. And that was AJ yeah, 15 years ago. And he's still putting out that kind of work. Yes. I think, you know, WWE kind of, they slapped some brakes on AJ like we talked about earlier. AJ could still work that same style. Oh, yeah. He want, if, if, if they allowed it, let's put it that yeah. way. But I think the brakes being put on has allowed AJ to... Lengthen his career. Yeah, a he's got bit. some longevity now because yep. he's early forties right now. Oh yeah. So and he's probably he's on the back nine of his uh, his career probably. So no, great choice. Yeah. That's a, another solid question again. Shout out to yes. Jr. Black. That uh, yep. Jr. Black's a big fan of Dave LaGreca on <laughs> Busted Open. That's sadly, another guy. It, sadly, it is not mutual. No, it is not. <laughs> so, and I, I heard Tony Khan fears Jr. Black, but I don't. That's know what, what I've that heard. Means. I mean, Jr. I've seen his tweets. He's, he insists that he could draw money with J, with Tony Khan, but Tony's ignoring him. And Jr. Black, he's a local guy. I think he's here in the Champaign he's in area, Central right? Illinois, so, yeah. check he, that out. He does, Buy not a shirt. Like, he does not like to have his face shown or his voice heard. So, he likes to live by the written word. Does this mean that if we ever did an interview of the guy, I'd have to run a modulator on his voice? It would have to be. He did, he, <clears throat> I would email him questions. He would email me answers. I'd have to read the whole thing. He's like oh. the great and powerful. Oh, he doesn't yeah. want you to even hear his voice, let no, alone the crowd. I've never heard his voice. I, ah. just, I just read his blog, and it's great. All right. Cool. All right. Our third and final question this week is actually like, it looks like 43 questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sitting here looking at this. I'm like, well, thanks for the novel. Uh, it's and this is why by, we're running uh, long. Spire, but yeah, tonight's episode, guys, just so you know, you're probably going to hit about two hours by the time we're done, and that's okay, because last week we were a little short and a little yep. different, so, or last episode. So, yep. Narge, why don't you first introduce Keith Gibson to everybody, and then I'll read his question off to everybody, but you know a lot more about Keith than even I do. Keith yeah. is a gentleman that I had became friends with over Facebook. He ended up marrying a girl that I was good friends with years ago. Keith used to be a car salesman with his... Uh, can't beat it, guarantee it deal. Keith has a pos- oh, had a podcast for a while called uh, Behind, the Mic, Behind the Mic. He's since moved on to that and has a new podcast out now. Full, full Count? Called The Full Count, which is a baseball podcast. Keep Keith, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Was, be, too many Bush lattes. Fourth uh, Bush beer. <laughs> Keith, it... Huge wrestling fan. I was actually invited on to his podcast a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Keith, great personality, podcast guy. I'd love to get him on the show. Oh, Huge yeah. wrestling fan. His question, maybe one of uh, all questions yeah. are great, but Keith here has really dug dug in yeah. deep. And, uh, um, and the invite has been extended to Keith. It's just about when. Logistics. And he will be a on lot the of- show. A lot of logistics things have to happen here. We're working on mm-hmm. expanding our ability to bring in guests big, and to do some, on the horizon. Uh, do some Zoom-based things also. So we're slowly building, but fourth episode, we're, we're cruising along. So Keith had quite a bit of a preface, and then he actually has, looks like, three questions. Four, three questions. So we'll start out with, he says, The title changed to Big E on Raw, and then bringing Roman over to Raw on Monday night seemed like they, the WWE, have already told everyone that Finn Balor, the demon, is not winning the Universal title on Sunday, nor is Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Question one, do you feel WWE is going forward with the Big E title change and bringing Reigns to Raw because they are feeling the heat from AEW Dynamite in ratings, Mark? No. I think they are feeling the heat from Monday Night Football. That's their. They've had a more long history with competing with Monday Night Football. But is that really, I mean... 30, 50 years now, that's kind of a steady. So the question is, is AEW also drawing away from them at all? I think AEW has their attention, but like I said, Vince is old, he's set in his ways, and he knows football's always going to be there to take viewers away. Why why, why didn't he just move this event to Tuesdays, where he'll never have that competition? And I don't don't know. Because he loves the competition. Okay. So he thrives on this actual thing. Oh, yeah. He definitely thrives on it. Mike, what do you think? No, I actually agree with Mark. Okay. That it, it, for years, being a fan over the years, come Monday Night Football, you can always expect WWE to do something kind of off the wall. Um, like a Brian Bosworth promo? Yeah. Like, like the Raw <laughs> The Boss. Huh? Yeah, the Raw Oh, my. <laughs> uh, but this, yeah, I mean, I think that was it. We're going to bring Roman over. He's our biggest star. Mm-hmm. The title change, it, that was good. I Again, too soon. I'm going to answer the other is is the next question about I'll get you there. You ready for it? Well, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Right. WWE has completely gotten away from long-term storytelling, partly because creative is that bad and partly because I think Vince is losing it. These are Keith Gibson's <laughs> words, folks. These, are these guys probably agree, words. but these are Keith Gibson's words I'm reading. Do you think going forward with the storyline like they are with the Big E slash Reigns at Survivor Series puts a damper on the two pay-per-views before it? So I want to go back to, I'm going to reference the first question. I don't necessarily think anything's written in stone yet because the draft is coming up. Right. So there's a lot that could change. That, that Mark's looking at me funny. 
every year they do a draft. And what that means is all the guys... So Raw has a set of superstars. SmackDown has right a on. set of superstars. Every year they're up for grabs, and they could switch promotions. Right so on. is there a chance that the Demon could beat Roman Reigns? Absolutely. And then Roman gets drafted, and he feuds yeah. for Big E's So do, do, do Levesque, uh, Triple H, and Vince, like... Pick their players, type of thing. Is uh, that the, how that works? Or Fox and USA? Yeah, I think Fox and USA is what they did a couple of years ago. Oh, the two networks, networks basically yeah. do it. But so I, I don't necessarily think anything's written in stone. I uh, want that's I wanted to reference that first question is I don't think they're necessarily telling the fans Brock's going to lose and Balor's right, going right, to lose. That's right. not necessarily number two. The, the storytelling that's that's something that I I fault WWE with for the last couple of years. They don't do long term storytelling i think they think people have a short attention span yeah i think that's part of it i also think it's part because they do a pay-per-view every month so they gotta they try to do something different every month yeah they don't want to drag things this is what drives me nuts about wwe is they don't want to do long storm long term storytelling but then we get stuck with matches that we've seen 10 times right that's the creative aspect that's kind of crapped the bed lately well, like somebody had said, we got Randy Orton and AJ Styles again Monday, which which is a phenomenal match. Again, phenomenal pop. Uh, but it's a match we have saw over and over and over. Can, can I jump in real quick, though? Yes, they have had that match, but every time they had the match, they they put something different in it. They like, might, they, but they it's they still the same two guys. Yeah, but yeah. those two, if you're going to be the same two guys, it needs to be those two guys. Give me a ladder match. Give me those two in a ladder or a yeah, cage. Like putting or, Orton on a ladder. He's... <laughs> Throw, throw me something else. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So I I don't think Vince is losing it. I think Vince is a control freak, and this is how he does things. And, that's, I mean, that's really it. And I think that, you know, so I personally get burnt out on here's a feud for a month, and then I like the long-term stuff. I, you do, right. too. You're do a too. Dusty Roads guy. Oh, yeah. I, mean, that, I love long-term stories. So. so. But I've also kind of resigned myself to this is what they do. And, yeah, if I could get in the room with Vince, I would say, I dare you to let me book your show for two months. Vince, that was a challenge. I know you're probably not listening, but there's probably some fan out there that knows you and they're going to tell you, hey, get this. All right. uh, The third question Keith had, and thank you again, Keith, for this. Uh, This It's actually a marvelous question with so many points in it. Are there more WWE pay-per-views than need to be now with the fans having access to stream everything instead of building up four spread out throughout the year? And before you answer, is there such a thing as a WWE pay-per-view anymore now that there is? I mean, if you have Peacock, don't you get everything? Yeah, but they do still offer it on pay-per-view services. So there are people that instead of spending $10 a month on Peacock, will pay 60 for the one-time event? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. More so that's the that's the that's the quarter pounder versus the third pounder right. burger argument, right, yeah, guys? Right. Okay. Right. This is that whole breakfast sandwich debacle yeah. you had the other morning. <laughs> right. Is what it is. You know? <laughs> so, I do think they have too many pay per views. I, I'm not saying they need to go back to having four, like they used to back in the '80s and early '90s. Twelve is too many, though. Twelve is too many. I'd say six is probably perfect. I think one every other month. What's AEW do? Are they, they do doing four? four? They so four. they're doing four. I think AEW could bump it up. I really think six is the sweet spot. Yeah. One every two months. I agree. Now, I, if I if you were asking me, I'd say one a year. I'd say <laughs> I'm saying this from the standpoint of first of all, you're giving away through Peacock. You're giving away most of the wrestling, anyways, right? So talking about your long term build, 
from W from from WrestleMania X in was it April every year roughly? April, yeah. April, you you have that, and then you spend the next twelve months building to the next WrestleMania, and you don't have any big events. You just keep having these interwoven smaller events that are on your weekly shows and all that. By the time you get to WrestleMania, you've built up this huge pent-up demand for this big event, number one. Number two, you can take that off the free stream and make everybody pay for it because people will pay for it if you held their attention through the year. You could, but you're really only building to one match at that point, in my opinion. They have other pay-per-views that there's a reason you tune it. The Royal Rumble, for instance. Right. That's about a Royal. There's 30 guys. Yeah. That match leads to who you get at WrestleMania. My, so right my opinion with the Royal Rumble has always been whoever wins that, there should be no pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. No. And they used to have one. Now I think they have two. I think they have two. And so every year when somebody wins the Royal Rumble, you're like, nah, that guy's not going to WrestleMania. They're going to, you know, they're going to schmoz him at some point and we're going to get something else. Right. They did Survivor Series, which is another pay-per-view you may right. not be familiar with. Mark, years ago, it used to be kind of gang warfare. It four on four teams. All elimination mm-hmm. tag matches. Just So, I mean, there's fun favorites. stuff. Which I'm okay with the fun, the money in the banks, the Royal Rumbles. We don't need your fully loadeds and your... I don't like the pay-per-views devoted entirely to one gimmick match. Hell in a Cell, Extreme Rules. Money in the Bank, you know, all those. Put Money in the Bank matches back in WrestleMania as far as yeah. I'm concerned. I'd be okay with that. Extreme Rules is coming up. And somebody said there's no matches have been announced. Uh, no, Finn and Roman have been announced as being an Extreme Rules match. And, oh, has it? Okay. And WWE has said that there will be more stipulations. They just haven't announced them yet. I think I saw a poster today and it said, I, it was, instead of Extreme Rules, it was like ordinary things. Or, extreme yeah, Rules or something. Something like that. like that, which is true. I mean... After watching Game Changer and some of the AEW stuff, we're not going to get the blood. You're not going to get, get panes of glass and extreme rules. You're not going to get what you should get. So why call it that? That's all I'm saying. But yeah, it's like I said. I I don't like the name in pay per views after one gimmick match. Like if you take your uh, even going back to your bragging rights pay per view, it's kind of the same thing as the Survivor Series. Yeah. So you can take that out. You got your like Roadblock and all these other goofy named things. If you take two of those. Don't have any of them where it's just like four money in the bank matches, four hell in the cell matches. So if you had They'll to do, fine. if you had to do six a year, we do the we do the original four. The original four. Do you throw in? I bring back King of the Ring. I was gonna. Okay. Yep. I agree. King of the Rings five. What do we do with six? Uh, just do one. Halloween Havoc. <laughs> you can bring back Halloween Havoc. I always liked Armageddon, to be honest with you. Armageddon was good. I, see, and I was right there with I, I still thought Money in the Bank was good. That I know you don't like it, but that's something each promotion could do. But that would be my only other suggestion. I, again, we don't need Roadblock right. and Fully Loaded. And right, right. Backlash and all that good stuff. I, I like Backlash. Nah, I like the name. I just don't know if I it's mean, necessary. They were, backlash... Back in like the early 2000s was way better. WrestleMania backlash? You like that? Not, not WrestleMania. That's, <laughs> that's too on the nose. <laughs> good, right. good question, that's Keith. A great question, Everybody, Keith. I recommend you check out the Full Count yes. podcast. Keith is a great sports mind, great personality, great guy, good yes. father, good husband. Keith Gibson, friend of the show, we love you. Yep, and we will have you on. Yes, yes we will. We might even have to figure out if there's a good baseball slash wrestling Interaction. Well, we can Abe Knuckleball Abe Schwartz. Knuckleball Schwartz. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, these guys already had one. <laughs> Randy All right. Savage, Randy Savage, former baseball player. Yeah. Huh? Absolutely. Moving on to the Heat and Shine oh, section. Boy. Would a Japanese-style round-robin tournament like New Japan's G1 Climax or All Japan's 
Champions Carnival work in the United States? Narge, what do you think? I'm actually going to have to refer over to Mark first. Oh, I, told Mark that. First. I don't know a ton about the G1 round robin, so Mark's going to explain it. All right. And I'm going to tell him why I like it or don't like it. So right basically, on. Japan loves their tournaments, especially the round robin style where you take like 20 guys, 14 guys, whatever many. They'll stretch that over an entire month, just going all around the country, and the competitors will get points. And at the end, the two guys with the most points, you know, you know how a round robin goes. Mm-hmm. But. It's also probably the hottest time in New Japan pro wrestling every year is a G1 time. And what they do, they don't, like, they have TV in Japan, but they don't have, like, the big, like, like a Raw or a Dynamite or anything like that, as I understand it. So a lot of their shows, like, the tournament shows are going to be house shows, like, okay. just live events. And they'll record them, and they put them on their streaming, New Japan World, which I'm a member of, and it's great. But as far as doing it here... The problem is, you couldn't do it on. So I'll use AEW as an example because I don't know if this Owen Hart tournament is going to be a round robin like this or not. If you try to do a round robin tournament with twenty guys on AEW just on TV because they don't do house shows, they don't have a live touring schedule, it's going to stretch forever. It's going to go for probably twice, maybe three times as long as it does in Japan right now. Even with dark elevation and rampage? That will help. But the thing is, if you do it the way Japan does it, Japan does it one block per show. And if that's five matches on rampage, that's a whole show. Yeah. So and this, this is all points-based? It's points-based, yeah. So it's not single elimination or it, double no, elimination. That's already, and that right there is why I don't think it'll work. That's already lost my interest. I can't keep track of yeah, points. That's and the thing. I don't think the American audience is going to have that kind of attention to no. detail that is necessary and i am knocking and, myself i'm already you're explaining it and i'm like man that seems like a lot how am i gonna keep in, track of all this in japan they treat it more like a sport like they cover like a sport on their news or in their newspapers and now the is, fans there, is there wrestling more sport like like is it really competitive or is it still it's somewhat scripted it's, out it's still professional wrestling and the characters are still there, but they're not quite as pronounced as they are in the U.S. Okay. And it's a lot more... Like, you know, uh, Suzuki, who was on the GCW show. Right. He's a New Japan guy. Okay. And he's got a base in martial arts. He was a shooter. Uh-huh. So he's one of the more legit, strong-style guys. But then you have your technical guys, your high flyers, your brawlers, things like that. But and the they, win and loss is still scripted. It's not... Oh, yeah. yeah. They book okay. the finishes and everything, but it's a lot freer form for as far as what they do in the matches. Right. But now, what about a March Madness-style tournament? Would that ever, you know, I mean, take the top 16 or 24, 32 wrestlers as they're dictated by whatever and say, these guys are going to wrestle when it moves on. And has they ever done that? They've done something kind of like that. That's how I would do it. I mean, WrestleMania 4 was tournament-based. Yeah. And that's, I would be okay with that. It's easier to follow. AEW, again, with the four shows... It's possible at right, that point. Right. So, but the yeah. point system just kind of keeping track. I mean, with the internet, it helps. But a lot of yeah. folks aren't going to log. Well, how how many but, points does Darby yeah, out? Right. I just right, I right. don't think that would work. But yeah, it is. I'll admit it, it from experience. It's a challenge following all the matches in the G one, which I do because I, I enjoy it. But you got to make time for it whenever you can and uh, try to keep up. So, yeah, it'd be the U.S. audience would be more. I think be more receptive to a single elimination. Even a double elimination tournament with like a winners and losers bracket kind of setup. How many people are in 
WWE that could conceivably build up to that? Do they have 30, 40, 60? How many, how many well, guys? Most companies' there? rosters are so large, they could have a huge tournament, but. Is that yeah. what you mean, or just? Well, I'm just saying. What would you would you be able to do a 64 wrestler oh, tournament easily? easily? Both shows, yeah. And would they all seem somewhat competitive? Or are you talking about no, you'd have some? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. No, it really depends on. I think that first 20, round wouldn't be as competitive. Now, is it? You know, like right? Twenty four man tournament, I think, would be about the sweet That'd spot. Be about the sweet spot, yeah. Okay. To uh, shout out to Ian Rotten, the Chad Pitty Invitational was a twenty four man tournament. Two days on the Indies, and, and that's well. That's it was either last weekend or this last, weekend. This, that's that's last weekend. I haven't heard what happened yet because I wasn't. I was out of town. I uh, I haven't either. I don't even know if he announced it. But as a guy who's been to more than one TPI, it is a lot of fun. It is a cool. It's a cool tournament. And actually, so shout out to Ted Petty. I'm yep. 19 years ago today. Ted yep. Petty of the famous Public Enemy passed mm-hmm. away. Yep. It's hard to believe it's been 19 years. I know, right? All right. Moving on to our What to Watch segment. And this right. week, it was the Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian match from AEW Dynamite, which was uh, shown on September 15th, which would have been last week's mm-hmm. edition. Last Wednesday. And it was uh, Adam Cole's in-ring debut with AEW. And... They couldn't have picked a better guy to be in the ring with than Frankie Kazarian, in my opinion, because uh, he's an older guy, but they have that base. They've known each other from PWG, from Ring of Honor, and they know each other's moves better than anybody, I think. And they put on a really, really good match. Uh, what do you think, Narge? Yeah, it was one of the, I've enjoyed that match quite a bit. I, I knew I would. Again, like you said, Frankie's one of those guys, always been solid. I said earlier, I think Adam's the best in the business right now. Um, I hate to see Frankie lose. They give, they've they've saddled him with this elite hunter yeah. nickname, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're the elite hunter and then you're constantly getting beat by the elite. You right. may want to give him one or two at some point. Yeah, they did the same thing in Japan to Yoshiha, uh, Yoshitatsu. Remember him from WWE? Yeah. They made him the Bullet Club hunter, and he was always getting beat by the Bullet Club. Yeah, and see, that's unfortunate. Don't why give him that nickname? Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, we get it. You're feuding with the elite because they retired Christopher Daniels, but they don't need to go that far with it. Yeah, Christopher Daniels showed up somewhere else this week. I heard. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Just spoiler: <laughs> Christopher Daniels might be returning home. So, well, by the time you've listened to this, yeah, I mean, the spoiler is Christopher Daniels is back in Impact. Oh wow. He showed up on the main event last uh, the other night where they recorded it, and uh, so yeah, he's he's back in impact. Very interesting. If you haven't watched it, we're sorry for the spoiler. Be it's been a week. <laughs> it's on them if they haven't seen it yet. It's no longer a spoiler. It's spoiled. After, after two days, it's not a spoiler anymore. Right. All right, so we're going to move on. We got our. Uh, well, th- we're going to throw that match up, right? We're going to we'll po- try to find. Well, we'll try to find a the highlights. Ver- yeah, we'll try to find a full version. If not, we'll have to come up with something. Not that video game version we no. watched. Oh, man, I hate that. <laughs> hey, all of you folks out there that post crap on YouTube under false pretenses, stop doing that. Clickbait is bullshit. Yeah, we don't like it. All right. JTR history. What happened on this day in, on uh, 920 in 1997, Mark? All right. So On September 20th, 1997, ECW presented As Good As It Gets with a uh, main event that was very exciting with uh, Tommy Dreamer and the vivacious Buell McGillicuddy taking on Bill Alfonso and Rob Van Dam 
That wasn't Jack Nicholson against Greg Kinnear? It was not Jack Nicholson versus Greg Kinnear. Well, that's as good as it gets. And it wasn't and it wasn't Adam Sandler versus uh Bob. <laughs> no. But uh this was the one that people remember because uh Fonzie and Buell did most of the match together and Alfonso lost quite a bit of blood in that match and had to get rushed to the hospital. Yeah, she dropped the uh, what the little the drop kick in the corner, drop kick the, in the corner uh, with the chair, the, yeah. Yeah, the chair. So the uh, Tommy Dreamer special and I got it somewhere to be uh you can't say Tommy Dreamer. He's been canceled. Oh, not by us. We. I love Tommy Dreamer. He's still the innovator of violence to me. This is the uh, gentleman from the the show this last week that we. Yeah, on yeah, TV. yeah. yeah. Tommy's got a lot of negative feedback this week. Unjust. Uh, I don't. Unjust. He wasn't even on the plane. It would, yeah, <laughs> he was literally just. That's a whole nother. It's a whole can of, of worms. Yarn yeah. wax. So we'll move on. So the. Uh, ECW card, just to run it down, it was a lot of fun. I'll go 1997 ECW. The FBI beat Balls and Axel. The Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten. Just Incredible beat Jerry Lynn. Chris Candido beat Lance Storm. Bam Bam Bigelow beat Spike Dudley. Shane Douglas retained his world title over Philip LaFon from WWF. Uh, Taz retained his TV title over Pitbull number two. Sabu and Sandman went to a no contest. And Tommy and Beulah beat Van Damme and Ponzi. Which was a really good match. That was the build up to the Hardcore Heaven pay per view, which, or I'm sorry, November to Remember pay per view, which was a lot of fun. So, moving on from that, and that one is on Peacock if you want to see it, I believe. Peacock? Uh, also, September 20th, 2005, Bobby Lashley made his WWE television debut, beating. <gasps> Your buddy, Simon Dean. I tagged him uh, on Facebook yesterday about this. Yeah, Bobby Lashley against Simon Dean, uh, also known as Hollywood Nova. Yes. Leader, or not leader, but one-third of the Blue third, World Order. Third banana of the Blue World Order. Yeah. A great wrestler. I loved watching him wrestle. So creative, just really innovative. With A lot of did. guys stole his moves. Oh, yeah. He had some finishers that were stolen, he I think. He was pillaged so. mercilessly in yes, the sir. business. So, next on the list, oh, this is one of my favorites. September 22nd, 97, Monday Night Raw debuted at Madison Square Garden. And this was the show everybody remembers where uh, Mick Foley brought Cactus Jack out for the first time against Triple H. I loved it. I, I, I vividly remember watching it. Yes. I remember him dropping Triple H on top of the stage through the table and uh-huh. just thinking it was the coolest thing. I loved the promo, the three faces of Foley promo beforehand. Oh, yeah. And uh, not to be outdone, this was also the first night that Steve Austin would hit the Stone Cold Stunner on Vince McMahon. And Vince sold it better than anybody else, right? Oh, yeah. He, always, <laughs> <laughs> he was so fluid with his with his bump taking. Terrible. Maybe the worst yeah. bump well, from the Stunner of all time. I think that was the first time he'd ever taken a bump. Uh, that's possible. I mean, you know, for years, it was always... Nobody knew Vince. I mean... A lot of folks didn't know Vince ran WWE. Right. He was just an announcer. He right. was Vince McMahon. Yeah. And this kind of started leading down to maybe one of the greatest heels of all time. Yeah. Definitely. I think great, definitely the greatest feud in WWF history. Yeah. I, which I, you kind of alluded to. I said was the greatest feud of all time. Yeah. So. And uh, let's see. On September 23rd, 1987, the seeds of the greatest heel turn in history... Uh, Saturday Night's Main Event, the Mega Powers are formed during a taping of the main event when Hulk Hogan saved Randy Savage from an attack by the Honky Tonk Man and the Heart Foundation. About a year and a half later, Hulk Hogan would turn heel 
and uh, wrong and rob Brandy Savage of his hard-earned world championship at WrestleMania. Wrong. <laughs> this is where we tend to have. This should be a heat and shine segment. Randy, Randy Savage was a control freak, and Hulk Hogan was merely trying to save Miss Elizabeth from an unhealthy relationship. Oh, and uh, you know, brother. as the ring turns. Hulk Hogan um, was a glory hog, and you know it. The Mega Powers were an incredible thing. It's it's just too bad Randy Savage's jealousy over the fact that Hulk Hogan was maybe the greatest 1980s wrestler of all time. I just really overshadowed the whole team, and it just it just fell apart. Mark, you're looking for a soundbite. You, you got about 800 of them on oh, there. Yeah. Now we went from 10 to about 800. Which one? Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! That right, shout that, out to the late great Macho yes. Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah, but that is a whole can of worms we can get into another time, and I'm sure we will. The last thing I got on my list is uh, Kurt Angle on September 23rd, 01, won his uh, second WWF title from Steve Austin at the Unforgiving Pay Per View in his hometown of Pittsburgh. I Did don't you see this show. I don't remember that one offhand. Quite a you know, yeah. I wasn't a huge Kurt Angle fan. Still not. He's okay. Uh, yeah. People probably be like, oh, can't believe it. I, I was just never enamored with Kurt Angle like other folks were. Right. I, to be honest, my favorite Kurt Angle moment is when Taz debuted at the Royal oh, Rumble yeah. and beat him. That was great. So that was my favorite. But, yeah. but well, this Angle, match would have been not long after Angle was uh, an Olympian, correct? Five years later, yeah. Five years, yeah. When you want to go medal with a broken freaking neck, just yep. ask him. What a badass. Yes. Complete badass. Yes. All right. Happy birthday! So oh, we I have, think, oh, not me. We have a, we have some birthdays from uh, this week here that we're going to give a shout out to. Uh, from the night on the nineteenth, uh, Renee Paquette, former Renee Young, uh, current serious uh, radio host, former WWE commentator, currently John Moxley's main squeeze. Indeed, and because I'm a gentleman, I will not say how old she is. <laughs> she looks great for whatever. Oh, it she is, looks dynamite, man. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's she's a looker. She does look dynamite. Yeah. How uh, long before she's on Dynamite? It's coming. She said she it's thinks coming. there's a role there for her, and I'm, I'm sure there will be. There will be. Uh, on the 20th, my guy, the Enforcer, Double A, turned 63. Arn Anderson. That's yeah, your favorite, favorite wrestler. That's right? my all-time favorite That's wrestler, Arn Anderson. That. Best in the business. Uh, on Also on the 20th, Greg the Hammer Valentine has a birthday. I believe he's 71, if I remember hearing right. I don't think he ages. He, I mean, he's looking he's, more like M Throw Mama from the Train these right. days. He but looks the same as he did in 1987. Mark, for you, if you don't know Greg Valentine, he looks like Mama Fratelli from the Goonies. Nice. Is essentially nice. what he looks like with yep. platinum blonde hair. Right. So. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, the King, Nick Gage, has a birthday. He turns 40 the, on the 22nd. Yeah, in celebration of Nick Gage's birthday, I pulled a pizza cutter out and threatened my son this morning with it. Yeah. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> Wait, which Actually, song? I did. Uh, we were listening to Metallica this morning before I went to work, and they played uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. So I had to pull the pizza cutter out. And right. Kyler looked at me and said, knock it off, Dad. <laughs> and then went back to whatever video game he was playing. Yeah. So, All right. Also on our list, uh, I don't know his age, but on the 23rd, Matt Hardy, uh, AW, has a birthday. He moves like a 90-year-old, but right. I he's bet he's not mid, that old. Mid, I think he's in mid-40s. I forget the exact number. Matt, and, Matt's lived a rough life, I think. He has. And uh, last on the list, the chief brand officer of WWE, Stephanie McMahon, has a birthday. 
on the 24th. And again, because I am a gentleman, I will not say her age on the podcast. Another very attractive lady. Stephanie's oh, yeah. always, you know, she... Uh, I always like Stephanie. She's been... Yeah, Stephanie was great. Great heel followed right in her oh, dad's footsteps, she was a natural. I felt like. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just glad she didn't take her dad's face when she took it on. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Amen. All right. So that's all our birthdays we got this week. Uh, we'll try to do that. That's kind of a new segment. We'll try to keep that going as we go on. And uh, our last uh, little piece of business is our throwback this week. And we just watched this match earlier before we recorded. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. On Saturday night's main event, November 28th, 1987, is uh, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, against Brett the Hitman Hart with uh, Jim Neidhart and Jimmy Hart in his corner. It was a good match. I had never saw it before. Uh, it's one of those kind of obscure matches you kind yep. of picked out there. But uh, this, could... uh, just, I'm just give a little preface here, Narge. This was the aftermath of the uh, Mega Powers that we talked about in the history when they uh, shoved Elizabeth down and then all three of them beat up on Savage. So Savage was getting his revenge on the Hitman in this match. It makes sense. I mean, it, they, he he definitely he was he was balls to the wall there, you know, and you could see shades of. Uh, how great Brett the Hitman Hart was going to oh, yeah. be in this match. He really, I mean, he hung in there with, yeah. at the time, the number two guy in the company. Yeah. This was Brett's coming out party. This was, I think, his biggest stage to date as a singles wrestler was being on Saturday Night's Main Event with the Macho Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, the confidence that Vince McMahon had to have in him to put him in this spot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Plus, confidence know. probably Randy had in Brett. Oh, I wouldn't absolutely. be surprised if Randy yeah. would have suggested it. Wouldn't have surprised me Give at me all. Hitman, brother. <laughs> I do want to point out, for those of you who haven't seen the match, go watch it. But I want you to notice <laughs> that when Randy hurts his ankle, that's according to the ring announcer. The, uh, Vince. That's the, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Okay, great. And uh, Jesse Ventura? Or was that yeah, the other man? That was the body. That was them both. The body. Hurts his ankle, but he spends the entire time grabbing his shin. I just want to point out that maybe anatomy was not his strongest suit. Maybe not. Uh, and I, he could have sold it better if he right. either acted like his leg was hurt and they didn't say it was his ankle or vice versa. But uh, Everybody's it was a, a critic. It was an interesting turn where she had to take his boot off and help him back in the ring. And, of course, you just you felt it swelling up inside that this guy is going to beat everything to win this match. But, hey, he made it work. He did, and it, it, it ended up being a fantastic match. It was, it was great definitely match. a good choice. Yeah. Um, those those guys back then, just in general, him, Hulk, those guys from that era, I think sold. I mean, you look at it now and you look back and go, all right, what? But back then watching it, because I was younger then, I would see this stuff. They did a good job of trying to sell that stuff a lot better than I think some of the guys today do. I don't even think the guys today really go that far with some of their stuff. They, they really don't. The selling is really fallen a long way across the board in wrestling no i mean realism is definitely lacking we, yeah. we could talk about the dives to the outside the selling all that i want to transition to something that's not on your list but we have a couple of sure. minutes sure. we're, we're talking about selling one of the greatest to ever do it is na the nature boy rick flair we've hinted at it all the whole show and I, we kind of talked that we weren't going to get into it but i feel like it would be a discredit to our listeners if we <laughs> don't get into the Ric Flair controversy this week. So for those of you that don't know, Vice TV channel does a show called Dark Side of the Ring where they kind of highlight some of the negative things in professional wrestling this past week. They highlight the plane ride from hell. Mm -hmm. 
which essentially was a 14-hour flight from Germany back was, to the States. It was overseas. I forget what country they were coming from. They started in Germany. I know that. And then they kind of worked around. But it was a 14-hour yeah. flight on a private chartered plane. Mm-hmm. There may have been some Jaeger consumed. Among other things. Alcohol, drugs, debauchery run right. rampant. Poor this Michael week, Hayes lost his hair. He lost, yeah, old uh, P.S. lost his pony. So He wasn't as purely sexy after his haircut. Uh, Dustin Rhodes sang a David Allen Coe song to his ex-wife Terry and then proceeded to throw up in the back of the uh, the chair. There was a lot going on, but the, the thing they highlighted or hit on the most was Ric Flair and his antics, which, from what I understand, Ric Flair is a well-endowed gentleman. That's what I've heard. Uh, what Tommy Dreamer says he carries a hammer. Uh, <laughs> Rick got a little drunk on the plane, and I guess one of Rick Flair's things to pop the boys back in the days, he'd put his robe on and walk around naked and flash. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he... Probably strutting, by the way. More than likely, yeah, and doing a Fargo strut and wooing. The, the, the claim is that he did this to the flight attendant on the plane and at one point asked her to touch him. And... Uh, Tommy Dreamer kind of called this, he kind of poo-pooed it. And he, he kind of went into a boys will be boys argument. Which which probably these days wasn't the best argument. No, kind of a bad idea. Um, that, now, there's a lot around this. Nobody is, a lot of folks are saying that there's no way that Ric Flair would ever have done this. Right. Well, they didn't say he asked her to. They kind of said they, he, they insinuated that he, he grabbed her insisted and, and like, helped her do yeah, so, right. which, of course, that's, that would be an assault. The accusa- that's the accusation right. that's going on. right. right. And a lot of the boys on the plane said they never saw that happen. Right. And people have said they've been around Ric Flair for years and have never seen Ric Flair do anything like that. They've they've seen naked Ric Flair. They've seen Rick buy drinks, Rick party, but they've never seen Rick sexually assault somebody or attempt to sexually assault right. somebody. Right. Not even on a train. No, not even on a train. That's going back to what, episode one or two <laughs> with the, the photo out there. And Ric Flair came out this week and said that Yes, he he brought out his manhood and whipped it around like a helicopter, and he's made a lot of bad choices. But he d- absolutely says that he has never assaulted anybody. No, he's never made anybody touch him that didn't want to. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts? What do you what do you think? Did or do or do we want to get into that? Do you believe Red uh, Flair? Well, it's it's a slippery slope. I mean, number one, that's an accusation that doesn't go away whether it's true or not. So I'm always very careful about where I come down on this kind of a thing. I think we both agree that overall, his actions that evening, wrong. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah, pull, pulling your junk out in what we would call public. Shame. Exactly. Shame. Shame. I, I get it's it's the ni- it's early '90s and you're Ric Flair and this is probably something you've done for years around the but you're, around the boys maybe is fine the locker room but oh, you mean Ric around... Flair's done not Marcus yeah done. not me <laughs> the stories I could tell no yes. but birds to, hanging on a wire but to, <laughs> but to do this around hired people who have been specifically hired to take care of you mm-hmm. on a flight yeah, that don't know you. It's sexual harassment it's at the sexual very worst. Harassment yeah. at the That's very what worst. it is, the best. And I would like to oh. point out that these folks did get a payday for this. So yeah, there was a settlement. I there was a right. settlement. Never went to court, which is not unusual for WWE. They've settled they, quite they a few things, things, things over the years to kind of they made things go under away. the rug. Um, for me, I don't. I don't know. You know, I I don't know Ric Flair personally. The yeah. folks that they've interviewed and who had known him best say that there's no way this happened, but could it have happened this one time? 
anything is possible. I mean, you got to remember, almost everybody on in that compartment in the plane were probably drunk and maybe some passed out and not aware of what was going on. Yeah, a majority of folks on the flight were drunk. I think I'd heard Rob Van Dam said he slept through it. Yeah, he said he saw pieces. Pieces. Uh, Jonathan Coachman is one who has a different story. He says Vince McMahon wasn't even on the flight. And other right. people say Vince was on the I thought flight. Vince was in first class. I thought he was in a separate area. That is plane. what Dark Side of the Ring says, that Vince was up with Linda and Jim Ross. Um, Jonathan Coachman says no, though. He says he was on the flight and that Vince was not on this flight. I think in his podcast, I think Bruce Pritchard had said that Vince was on the plane. And so, you know, again, who do you, you know, at that point, so if Bruce is saying it, you know, this coat is coach not remembering uh, coach correctly. Has, I know coach has a little bit of uh, ill will towards the company. He does, but I don't, I don't think him saying think Vince, not on, Vince not on the flight isn't necessarily a negative thing. Now, I think it would be more him saying, well, yeah, Vince was on the flight and didn't do anything would make more sense. Right. So that's what I'm, I'm kind of getting at is right. there's, I don't think any, you know, somewhere in the middle, there's the truth. Right. Um, I watched the episode. I, I recommend you go out. You yeah. find Dark Side of the Ring. It's actually on YouTube. The full episode is on YouTube. And make your own decision. Yeah. Make your own choice. What it comes down to, the only people that really know what happened are the people that were on the plane. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to take... I take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. And if you if there's proof, then, yeah, then I'll make a, an opinion. I, I think you run into several issues with the whole story. Number one, how many of the people that are saying nothing happened... Are company men sure you know they're just oh nothing happened of course not because why would you admit to it right right number one number two flair admitted that he did some things that I think that when we look at it in today's context they were dead wrong number three and I, I'm saying this only because like I watch older shows like cheers is one of my favorite shows what used to occur 20 30 40 50 years ago in almost any industry but let's just go with the TV industry the movie industry the music industry now the wrestling sports what was allowed to go on back then that we now are finally identifying as, uh, dude, that's just wrong, and people are stepping up about it, the culture of everything was different then. So there's no excuse for the behavior to say, well, he didn't do anything wrong. But in the context of the times, he was acting like everybody else was. So, you know, I think we're 30, 30 years later now, 40 years? Uh, 20, 19 years later. 19 years later, we're down the road here. And first of all, this was discussed multiple times in other uh, documentaries and other mm -hmm. situations. He's done his penance, I think, in that term. And I think that this 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 Vice show that brought it back up and has kind of made it fresh. And now you got this guy, uh, Tommy, Tommy Dreamer, Tommy, who's taking a lot of grief for whatever his comments Who were. Has never had a negative thing said about him. They no, said, right. from what I understand, Tommy's always been the voice of reason. Yeah, and now he's been suspended from his Sirius XM show. He's suspended from the company that he wrestles for. All these things. I mean, right. essentially, he's been canceled. And it's basically for saying this was then. This is this what, is what it was. He did it. So you know, this is where it is. I just think at some point we accept the fact that Flair owned up to enough to let us know he did some dumb shit. And he did. He came on Twitter and he yeah, he, he said, a statement. Yeah. And if he this and if he happened. did, if he did sexually assault somebody, have her touch him, make her touch him, whatever, they had a deal back then. They had a, a monetary deal that ended that situation, and they've moved forward from it. And I think you know, Vice bringing this up now, all they've done is dig up a skeleton that was already buried and everybody knew about, 
And now they kind of hurting this this guy Tommy because you know his sentiment isn't that it wasn't good or bad or his sentiment is this that was then, and this is how things were then and. You know, maybe he sounded like he was defending Flair, but I don't know that it's really a defense to say, I didn't see this happen, but he did say this happened. And, you know. Well, and I think a lot of it is we're just getting a clip. We're getting a sound clip. Who knows? Yeah, it's a bite. What else was being said? But, and that's essentially what he was doing was saying, hey, boys will be boys. This is what Ric Flair did. I don't think he was defending it in any way, but again, this culture, this day and age, people. It comes off like he's just shrugging it off. Yeah, people people are going to take it. And they, you can twist it into whatever belief or whatever way you want to twist it. So right. I just wanted to address it. I felt like we were doing a disservice if we didn't talk about it since it was probably the biggest story it's the whole definitely week. definitely the so. biggest topic the last, at least the last two days. But again, I recommend get on YouTube, check out Dark Side of the Ring. Somebody mentioned on Twitter that Dark Side of the Ring's mission is to basically run our childhood memories with all of that. <laughs> Next week, they're going to feature uh, Chris Canyon. Yeah. For those of you that uh, remember Canyon, great wrestler. Um, Another really innovative guy. Just innovative, fun. Uh, was a homosexual wrestler yeah. who tried to keep that hidden, and that's yep. essentially Vice is going to dig into how him keeping that, keeping himself in the closet ultimately led to his suicide. Right. So. Uh, dark. I mean, th- they're gonna dig deep into some of the darker stuff of wrestling that maybe fans don't know. Yeah. If you're a casual, I recommend checking it out. But don't let this show form your opinion of professional wrestling. No. I, there, there's always two sides to every yeah, story. There's always That's a narrative. And, so. uh, yeah. Always keep an open mind. Keep make, make get enough information to form your own opinion about these things. And, uh, yeah, so I think you handled that uh, very well, Narge. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, Ric Flair is one of my favorites. I've got him tattooed on my arm. Yeah. So I've got I've got to at least speak up for him. If, if, if he did what he did, he was wrong. Like Mark said, he by a court of law, he has done his time. He did what he should. Bringing it back up now, I, you know, ESPN brought it up three years ago. Yeah, it was in the documentary. The, the 30 for 30. Yeah. And that's what Flair said. We've addressed all these, and he was very open and honest with his alcohol struggles and everything else. So that's the one thing about being a pro wrestling fan that sucks sometimes. You get on, you get on Twitter, and you just see the opinions of people, and some of it just – it. It's a real head scratcher, and there's sometimes where you almost – it's like, man, why do I still like this stuff? I'm a fan of this, but these – I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it and, you know, upset folks, but – it makes it tough to continue to be a fan sometimes. Right. It's when you have to kind of put blinders on. Just watch the watch the stuff watch, on TV. Yes. I, I, maybe it was better when I was a kid because I didn't know anything yeah. outside of That's the That's the curse of the wrestling business is that everybody has an open window to all of this stuff nowadays. And that's uh, our previous podcast. Yeah. We talked about the internet. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like that. Mark's uh, Marco's a big rock and roll guy in that. A lot of those heroes. There's a, there's a lot of stories back there. You know? So just, just read Motley Crue's The Dirt. Uh-huh. Realize about realize about thirty five to forty percent is embellishment, but I worked a show of theirs and yeah, there's a lot of stuff that went on back then that was the rock and roll lifestyle. And nowadays to talk about that would shed a really bad light on a lot of people. Well that's why I said this this underbelly of professional right. wrestling. Compare it to 1980s guns and uh, Motley Crue and all that. 
Right. These, these guys were no saints by any means. So everybody's got this okay. dark. Well, the '80s were the decade of excess. Yeah. yeah. And so you kind of really saw that. I mean, cocaine was everywhere. Everybody's partying. It was like the free love era, except the word love didn't have to be involved at no. all. It was free fun era. Yeah. So. But all I right, appreciate guys. it. Yeah, you know, so good episode, fellas. Yeah, I think that's a uh, solid ending point for this. So we will be back on, uh, what day will that be, Marco? The uh, October. <laughs> we'll be back this Fifth, month. I believe. Seventh, maybe? Yeah, okay. seventh of October will be the so, next oh, episode seven. after All this right. episode. So we will be back. We'll probably have thoughts on Extreme Rules. Uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, happenings going on in AEW. And by then, we will not have had the next GCW show, but we'll probably preview it, talk about some of the stuff that they've announced for it by then. Yeah, they've got a lot of shows coming up. So yeah. I'll, I'll be seeing Fozzie this weekend and the Butcher yeah. on stage. Yeah. I'll let you know how that is. I've never yeah. saw Fozzie. So. Yeah, I've heard they're really fun live. So you're, I think you'll have fun. So have fun with that. Be careful. and Come back to us in one piece. Marco, we're glad you're back with us this week. Yeah, man. I'm, we, glad, I'm glad I made it. We, we missed you in the car. Was, uh... You probably would not have wanted me in the car, trust no. me. And uh, also, Although I was feeling okay, I think yeah. you might have not come home feeling as good. Probably uh, not. And also, Narge, we're going to give a shout-out to your boy Kyler. He helped us out in the last episode. Did a great job did, from what I heard. Yeah, he was, uh, it was a lot of fun. He had kind of put me in my place a couple times. Kyler, Kyler's good on that. He's uh, yeah. he's almost as sarcastic as you are sometimes. Sometimes, Mark. yeah. So he's, yeah. he's quick on the uh, Except I know who the, the Dudley boys are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nasty knobs and nasty. Bubba Ray nasty. Yeah, Bubba Ray nasty. (laughs) All right. So a couple more things before we roll out. Number one, we are looking to do some interviews, get some people in spot, some people on Zoom. Uh, To do that in some cases does require us to shell out a little bit of cash uh, because of parents' fees, things like that. So something we could use a lot of help from you listeners is please share the podcast everywhere. If you've got a Facebook, a Twitter, whatever, share it. Everybody you talk to about wrestling, if you're in a wrestling group, if you're in an old Yahoo wrestling group, post about us. We need the listeners. We need to have the listeners mm-hmm. so we can turn around and get to the sponsors. That's part one. Part two, if you would like to sponsor a single show in order for us to bring on a special guest, get in touch with us. We're easy to find. Yep. Let us know, hey, look, you know, for if you guys to talk about me during the show all show long and do this and get this person, I'm willing to hook up. We'd love that because, I mean, we want to expand this thing a lot. Yeah. Um, we've, and we've got some big names out there that yeah. we've reached out to who are interested in the show. Yeah. We've got to get the but, logistics worked out. But nobody's free, folks. So, no. yeah, we've got some feelers out. And October 21st will be the, not the next episode, the one after that. And I'm not 100% positive, but I believe we will have a special in-studio guest for that show. Cool. Uh, somebody that uh, grew up on the wrestling thing. A couple years younger than me, maybe about half my age. Looks uh, better, too. Yeah, looks <laughs> yeah, better. Just looks better. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I can't tell you more than that yet, but we're working on getting that worked out so that person could join us. And let's just say that if you think Stephen A. Smith is annoying, <laughs> you ain't heard this guy yet. I, I do, by the way. Okay. Well, if, this guy... If Bobby uh, Ray thinks I'm annoying, yeah. then... Well, this guy's got strong opinions. I know he used to love wrestling. I don't know how much he's watching it anymore, but yeah. he is an all-sports nut. I think he'll challenge so, us. He, he uh, Yeah, he will. So that might be our first actual guest on here. So keep listening. But again, we thank you for listening to us, and we will see you in two weeks. Yep. See you guys later. Thanks, all.